0: of Future-Facing Farms. Episode 4, Back for More! We are featuring the six Minnesota <laughs> farms at the forefront of conservation and environmental stewardship. Of course, there's more than six
1: farms out there doing this work, but we've just got a sampler to share with you. I'm Nora Hurdle, and I'm here with my colleague and friend, Sarah Kocher, who's co-hosting with me on this one. Woo-woo! We're reporters with the St. Cloud Times in central Minnesota, and this podcast is supported by the MIT Environmental Solutions Journalism
0: Fellowship. You can find all six episodes, photos, and stories about climate change solutions at sctimes.com. So tell me, Nora, what are we talking about in this episode? We're visiting Jason Lorenz, who has a farm in Little Falls
1: with 540 acres, along with beef cows sows, and Holstein steers, about 200 and some. He grows corn, soybeans, and alfalfa, and has some experience with cover crops. Uh, But he's new to carbon markets. He's in the same pilot program we talked about in episode two. The pilot program is led by the Ecosystem Services Market Consortium. It's also called ESMC.
0: Carbon markets, carbon sequestration, we're back in that vein? Yes. They have captured a
1: lot of attention in agricultural circles. Here's Jason talking about that with agronomist Amy Robach. She works for SodA in Little Falls, and they're talking at Jason's farm. He lives right near U.S. Highway 10, which cuts through central Minnesota. You can hear a little bit of that traffic and some of the birds
2: in this clip. A year ago you'd pick up a farm magazine Three, out of 10 magazines you'd be lucky to find one article on carbon sequestration every magazine you pick up every issue has an article on it it's getting bigger and bigger
3: yep and we're hearing it from farmers too our crop advisors and the co oper ask, you know they're coming in well tell me about cover crops tell me about this carbon markets you know i had a crop insurance guy call me and say, what's up with all these carbon markets? What's this ESMC project? So the questions are being asked.
1: I've heard agreement from people in agriculture that it's important for farmers to be compensated for their practices that might draw down extra carbon from the air and lock it in the soil, you know, carbon sequestration.
0: Where does Jason stand
1: on that? Here's what he says.
2: I don't know if I'm really doing it for the carbon market. I'm doing it for my own good. Like I said before, the better you take care of the land, it takes care of you. And anything, anytime you keep a soil green is better than being black. When it's black, it's blowing away. Look at the dust bowl.
0: Okay. So he mentions the dust bowl. What's
1: he mean about that? Quick history lesson. In the 1930s, overplowed fields and a drought led to wind erosion and massive dust storms, especially in the Southern Plains region of the U.S. Was devastating economically. Um, and Jason and Amy both mentioned that in the spring up there, when the fields in central Minnesota are plowed up along parts of Highway 10, it's like a mini dust bowl. The wind carries away good soil that's not locked down with cover crops. And Jason says he does not have that problem. Okay. He's already a fan of cover crops. And with the pilot program, he says he's testing the waters on carbon markets.
3: So that's really cool about this ESMC project is it's a great way for producers to try it right before they sign these big long-term 10-year contracts.
0: So it sounds like the ESMC allows farmers like how much time are they committing to through this, through the SMC? It's a couple years, but they don't
1: have to financially commit either. There's a federal grant that covers um, the expenses of getting that started. So they don't have a lot of risk going into it. And then their data, the soil that samples that are collected, that will kind of inform future um, progress of the carbon market.
0: Because I imagine it's quite an investment to set aside the space and the resources to start this by yourself. So the intention is to reduce that financial risk.
1: Right. You have to pay for extra seeds. Sometimes you have to pay for extra equipment or you have to kind of jerry-rig the equipment that you have already. Um, Though, you know, in some of the other episodes, we talk about the savings that come along with Mm -hmm. cover crops that you can... um, save on fuel because you're not going over the field as many times. Well, actually, that's with um, no-till. You're not making as many passes on the field. Um, but with cover crops, you might need to use less fertilizer or less herbicide because um, you're kind of changing the dynamic in your soil, and it's kind of taking care of those things to some extent without that additives.
0: So it's sort of like try before you buy.
1: Is yes, yeah. yes. There's just a lot of history of data um, when it comes to carbon and forestry, but there's not a lot of data when it comes to soil carbon. And so all these companies that are trying to test soil and gauge how much carbon is added through these practices, they don't have a good baseline. So they're kind of making a baseline through pilot project and you know, I don't know if they're communicating, but you know, the more these markets develop, the more our understanding of what is happening underground when we do these practices, the better our understanding will be.
0: So it's like uh, similar to when people plant like experimental experimental crops for research purposes. They get a little, they get to try it out. But then also the people who need the data on how the crop is going to do in a certain climate or you know its growing parameters. Right. will benefit in terms of more knowledge.
1: Right. Okay. So you and I talked about this in episode two, that farmers are feeling put on the spot as agricultural carbon markets emerge. And there's this mixed narrative that agriculture is responsible for a large percentage of greenhouse gas emissions, while at the same time, agricultural practices can help mitigate climate change by drawing more carbon from the air. Does that make sense? The kind of the two... They're both saviors in some respects and then also kind of um, responsible for part of the problem. Amy and Jason both recommend talking to farmers directly, you know, for consumers who are concerned about that. You know, there have been documentaries about this and more articles about it, um, but they say you should just talk to your friendly neighborhood farmer.
3: There's nothing wrong with a consumer asking going to a farmer and asking questions, right? Just don't Most farmers will answer questions. Don't assume right away. They yeah. assume way too much. But if
2: there's any questions and you got a farmer in your neighborhood, they'll be more than willing to answer.
3: Right. You know, have an open mind. Learn about agriculture before you start assuming things. You know. A lot of farmers
2: have hurt feelings over assumptions. Yep. It's like they're looked down upon. That's why a lot of people ain't willing to try it afraid of the judgment than whatever people might think.
3: Right, because there's there's no more land in the world being made, right? right. We have to take care of what we have.
2: Hey, I ain't farming to get rich. I'm farming because I like it, and that's what God put me here for. Take care of it. I want to leave it better than I found it. That's a
1: little hard to hear at the end, but Jason just said that's what God put me here for, to take care of it. I want to leave it better than I found it. And I, I love that. That's why this podcast is called Future Facing Farmers. All of these producers that we're featuring are thinking about future generations.
0: I love hearing farmers talk about their job because I think, at least in the conversations that I've had, it always reminds you how passionate people are wherever they land on, you know, how they how they run their operation or whatever they're growing, you know, however they're operating their farms you can always you you can usually tell that they've got a, a serious passion they've invested so much time so much energy so much money so you know so many generations a lot of times into this so it's always it's good to hear yeah what's interesting about soil
1: health is it takes a long time to improve the health of soil you you could build it up over time through um these practices but you know you can't just turn it around in a year Mm. but I'm excited that Sarah is here to talk about this with me and to co-host this episode and a few others in the series because she's about as interested in all of this as I am and has done a lot of cool stories about um, water quality so you can check those out at sctimes.com along with the series that goes along with this podcast and the other episodes I love a good ag story. Yeah.
0: All right. That's it for episode four of Future Facing Farmers. What is next?
1: Trees. We're going to feature Chelsea Morning Farms in northeast Minnesota, where they're growing seedlings for a really interesting project called Forest Assisted Migration.
0: Forest Assisted Migration? Does that involve birds?
1: No, it involves Tree seedlings migrating tree genotypes. So you're moving the same species that already grow up in the Northeast and you're taking um, some of those varieties that have been growing further south that are used to higher temperatures. So red oaks, um, white pine, Yellow birch, these trees still grow in southern Minnesota. They also grow in northern Minnesota. But if you take the seeds from the south, and then they've been planted and nurtured and turned to grow into seedlings, and now soon, next spring, they'll be planted in the northeast. And they'll be monitored to see if they're better adapted to climate change because their genetic makeup has already, you know, comes from stock that has been living in warmer oh my temperatures. God.
0: I know. Okay, so that was just a little tidbit, and I'm sure you are as tantalized. I'm sure you found that as tantalizing as I did. So tune in next time for the podcast, and we're so glad you joined us.
1: Yes, thank you so much, listeners, for joining us. We appreciate you.